For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Here you go. Here you go. Danger. That's the nothing personal word of the day. You have found us live on the Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel. Danger. Today is Tuesday, August 29th, 2023, and we are talking about what happened in Colorado last night. On the heels of the show we did yesterday, if you didn't listen, go back. We talked about security. We talked about the shooting that took place in Chicago. We talked about the shooting at the football game in Oklahoma, no sooner than one day later, the following took place. Acuna on the field in Colorado, approached by fans and then toppled over by fans. Security gets to Acuna not in time, the players not in time. A crowd then forms around him and finally the fans are escorted off the field. I've got about 20 issues with what happened and I'm gonna give you my top three. As president of the Braves, as commissioner of Major League Baseball and as president of another team. Let's start with as president of the Atlanta Braves. When you send your team on the road, you expect that your players will be protected by the home team. When you have a traveling star show, the way we did in 2016 with Barry Bonds and Ichiro, we traveled with security as well. But when you're on the road, in addition to your own security, in addition to hotel security, you expect more security outside the clubhouse, you expect more security by the dugout, and you expect more security around the field. I don't want to have to worry as the president of a road team when my players go. And Acuna is, and we're going to get to this, the leader in the clubhouse. That's the wrong use of the expression, Coca. 469. Acuna is the current favorite to win the MVP in the National League. It goes back and forth with him and Betts. I want to talk about the MVP race. But when the Braves travel, I don't view them as the Beatles. I'm not sure that extra security is warranted. And this is not yucking on any of the yums of the fantastic players that the Braves have because they are deep and fantastic. That said, every major league team deserves a minimum. And the minimum is 
that they're not going to be approached on the field. What do we do as president, GM? We talk to our players. They are not allowed to engage with fans who run on the field. They are told to back away, to walk away, to run away if they have to. Under no circumstances are they supposed to do what I would encourage football players to do were I president of a football team. When you're in pads and a helmet and some drunk A-Rod runs onto the field, I am all in. Tackle him, take him down, clothesline him. Don't care because I don't think my player's gonna get hurt. When you have no pads, no helmet, no bat, I don't want you engaging with the fan. I don't want you to get hurt. We can talk about the legalities. We can talk about who could sue who. Is it assault? Is it not assault? What the charges should be for the fan and they should be charged and put in the jail that all stadiums have and charges should be pressed. But you tell the player to walk away. Acuna did not. He stood his ground. I understand those of you are going to say, stand your ground. That's the law. You're allowed in states to stand your ground. Yippee. No, I don't want players standing their ground. We also say, make sure your teammates are safe. It's not like tennis when Monica Seles is alone on the court getting stabbed. People, if you don't remember that, go look at the video. It would blow your mind. In a changeover, she was stabbed. Acuna needed to run away, he didn't. President of the Braves, I'm calling immediately two people the president of the Rockies, and I'm calling Major League Baseball. And I'm asking, what are we gonna do to make sure this doesn't happen? How is this avoided? Do we need to have a federal system? Federal in the terms of baseball. A good way to look at baseball always is that when the commissioner's office is doing something, think about that like Democrats where there's heavy government. That's government involvement, that's nationalizing items. If you want security that baseball supplies, instead of the teams or in addition to the teams, that security would be paid for by all 30 teams equally. As president of the Marlins, I'm not voting in favor of that because I don't want to pay 1 30th of the security that's needed when there's 40,000 people at a stadium when my stadium has 10,000 people. I want the stadium with 40,000 people to pay for the security when there's 40,000 people. But one option would be for baseball to take over or augment existing security. One option would be for baseball to get involved with certification of the training for the security that teams have. You learned yesterday, the training is not perfect to say the least. They are game day employees, and we're gonna get to that later in the show. Concession, security, ushers, ticket takers, they're game day employees. They are not full-time employees of the team. They are subcontracted. They are actually paid for by your security company or by your concessionaire. Baseball can implement a rule where security has to be a part of a team. We had a security department. It was three guys full time. 
they needed to make sure and they were in charge of making sure that the game day security people were doing the best they could, coordinating with the police. As president of the Rockies, I am ashamed, embarrassed, mortified, yet not changing my staffing. The way staffing works for security is that you estimate what your attendance is, and I don't mean what you announce because you make that up. You estimate actual butts in seats, and then you assign roughly, call it one per section, two per section down below, several by the clubhouse, by the areas where fans are down below. Ironically, where there is the most player interaction are the highest price tickets, which require the least amount of security. That may be profiling and not on race. It's more on socioeconomic, who's spending money for tickets. But you figure out where you are placing your security. Teams are involved in this. You cannot under any circumstance predict when someone jumps over a wall. What you do is you protect all of the entrances. MLB enforces this as do all home teams and road teams make sure that there is security anywhere the field can be accessed through a gate, through a door or through a short wall. The big outfield wall, if someone jumps over, they jump over, there's nothing you can do. Look at Acuna here, he needs to back away before that video started, he had a moment where he could, then he gets toppled. He needs to get up. Where are the players? What took so long for them to get there? And only the security now? And where are the police? Yesterday in Colorado was an embarrassment and a danger to Acuna. And baseball is going to take note. And when I tweeted that there is going to be a memo what I meant is that the commissioner of baseball and central baseball is going to get involved. You cannot have your MVP leader. You cannot have any player, but certainly not a superstar ever feeling as though they are in danger or worse yet, actually being in danger. If you have a chance to watch these Braves, I I don't know how you're going to beat them four times out of seven with who they trot out there every night, starting with that lineup. Take a look at up and down the lineup. I think seven of the players already have 20 home runs. They could end up with more. They could have the most players ever with 25 home runs. Coca, what year was it? This will be a tough one to find. I'm gonna try to name them. We had the first ever in major league history, the Marlins did, people forget this. Yeah, but we all sucked at what we did, so no one would remember this. We couldn't win, I don't know how many games we won that year, but the first ever infield where everyone had 25 or more home runs. And I wanna say that it was Mike Jacobs at first, it was Ugla at second, it was Hanley at short, and it was Cantu at third base. I can't tell you what year. It could have been 08, 09. Anyway, Coke, if you can find it, tell me that'd be fun. We never had two players who were in the top two in MVP. The only MVP that we ever had was Stanton in 17. And we had a good team around him, still couldn't win 81 games, but no one was right up there with him. 
The Braves have Acuna and Matt Olson in the top four. And the Dodgers have Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman in the top four. I can't hear you, Coco. What year was it? It was 08. Outstanding. Has anyone matched that since? Are the Braves about to match that? With, what do they have? Olsen? Albies? No, I don't think that they, I don't think they're shortstop. Who, I don't even, who plays shortstop? I don't think he's got 25 home runs. But I think we have to look for that now to see if the Braves can match that. In any case, you've got Betts and Freeman for the Dodgers, the second best team in the National League. You've got Olsen and Acuna for the Braves, the best team in all of baseball, on a collision course in the National League Championship Series. Both of them favored to win the World Series over any American League team, I would assume that's what the odds should be. And I was thinking that those four players are all signed to long-term deals. Remember, Freeman got six years. He's got four years left. Acuna got that long deal up to 10 years when he was a first-year player. They gave Olsen the extension when they got him from the A's before they played with him for a minute. They gave him that huge deal. Freeman won the World Series with the Braves, and then the Braves didn't re-sign him, and he went to L.A. and got six years. And Mookie was the free agent who got that huge deal, and he's in the fifth year maybe of a 10-year deal. I sit here on nothing personal, and I talk to you about the danger of the long-term deal. And then you come at me with examples where it works out, where long-term deals for pitchers work out, because look, Verlander and Scherzer made it work. Long-term deals for young players. This is Coca, in addition to arguing with me about Adam Sandler, with four minutes to go. He's telling me that Little Nicky and Mr. Deeds are classic Adam Sandler movies. Come on. They wouldn't even be in the top five classic Adam Sandler movies. Four minutes until we're live, and that's what we're talking about. What else? We were just talking about baseball. What were we just talking about, Coke? I got distracted by my competitive nature with you and Adam Sandler. But we were definitely talking about, oh, the Acuna deal. Thank you. Where would I be without you? Nowhere. Just you and I. What is that? Eddie Rabbit and and um, Eddie Rabbit and Crystal Gale, I think, sing just you and I, just you and I. So Acuna signs the deal as a first year, and everyone's saying, look, the Braves are geniuses. They have all their core locked up. They have Riley signed long-term. They have everybody signed long-term, actually. And they're all playing well. The risk of signing those players, the risk of signing pitchers, the risk of signing the Trey Turners, it doesn't matter what stage, as a first year, guaranteeing arbitration plus a few free agent years, signing a free agent, whether a player's 21, 24, 34. Every year, the labor department would do a slideshow showing us that these long-term deals do not work. Every once in a while they do, but the overwhelming majority of time they don't. And they're not trying to tell us don't do it. They were trying to tell us, why do you have to go so long? Why do you think that the other sports have maximums? Why do you think the NBA has a maximum as part of their collective bargaining agreement? It is something that we wanted so badly as management in baseball to have maximum years in free agency only because we could have a maximum if owners would actually be smart, 
but they're emotional and ridiculous, which is why these deals get signed. But then we are all prone to only look at the positives, but then when the negatives come, they just get dismissed. The Cabrera deal, the Pujols deal, you just sort of dismiss it like, oh, no big deal. Unless it's your own team, and then you crucify your team president for signing Wei Yin Chen. So the common thread is that you can't win in management. Either you sign a guy who doesn't work out and you're pilloried for being bad at your job, or you don't sign a guy at all and you're being pilloried because you're not good at your job, or you sign a guy and it works and the fans say and the media says, well, any idiot would have known to sign that guy. When Alex Anthopoulos put this Braves team together prior to the 19 World Series and then tried to lock up members of the 19 World Series, of the 21 World Series, excuse me, 19 was the Nationals, of the 21 World Series, you don't know when you do it. That's why it's different when you get to criticize management in the rearview mirror, when management makes decision front-facing. And I am not looking for sympathy, never was, never am. I am the luckiest person in the world. Lucky to do what I do now, lucky to do what I've always done. But it is way harder to identify and be right about players than you think. Certainly young players and prospects and traits. And that is not self-serving because of how crappy the Cabrera deal was. I'm not trying to explain that. I'm trying to show you that what the Braves and Dodgers have right now, it's like a unicorn. So you ought to be excited about it. One of the guys who signed a long-term deal that worked out was Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer's deal with the Mets clearly did not work out. And something happened last night, Coca, I've never seen it. I have given Steve Cohn my share of criticism. Judging by my experience, Steve Cohn was told, shown, but did not approve in advance the video for Max Scherzer. He came back as a member of the Texas Rangers last night to City Field. They played a video like a video saying, hey, welcome back, Max. We love you. And the fans booed the video. They booed Max. Couple of nuggets for all the front offices out there listening, because I know there are. When you're playing a home game in New York the week before Labor Day, and you're the Mets, your fans are extra grumpy because they're stuck in US Open traffic. When you trade a player at the deadline, you don't honor the player a month later. Your fan base is pissed. They're anxious. They're upset. They're brutalized. It's too soon. When you win 100 games next year and Max comes back, two years from now, because teams are playing because of the new balance schedule, you'll get the Rangers back. You may never get Max again, but you may. 
you have to know that doing a video last night was not going to be received well. So shame on the Mets front office for doing it, but I've never seen a boo to the player being honored on the video screen. I have seen a boo toward management when you're honoring a player who you traded away because they're so pissed off that you traded him away. Normal, standard, no problem. But booing the player, that means you may have gotten it wrong that it was time to honor him. Scherzer, as you know, was very involved in the collective bargain agreement negotiation. He's a client of Scott Boris. He basically carried Boris's water during the negotiation. Very, very difficult to work with. Not the most popular of men, and I'm not discussing him as a father or a husband. My personal interactions with him have been nothing but positive. But I'm talking about as a member of the union, negotiating inside a clubhouse, intense guy. Relationship with front offices, challenging. There was no doubt on his return to City Field that they were going to put a microphone in front of him. And when Max has a microphone in front of him, guess what? He's going to talk. And what he said bothered me. And it did because anyone who reminds me just a tiny bit of Heath Bell, I'm not going to be happy with. When Heath Bell was asked why he's blowing saves for the Marlins in 2012, his answer was, hey, it's a bad training staff. <laughs> okay, Heath, if that's what you want to say, have at it. Take some responsibility. Scherzer said, I wish I would have pitched better. I don't like to point fingers unless I'm pointing fingers at myself, and I can definitely point the finger at myself. Now that, you're saying, David, what are you talking about? That's a great quote. No problem. You want players to say that. Terrific. Hmm. Instead, prior to that, he said, I don't know why we lost. It was just a combination of everything. It just seemed like when we pitched, we didn't hit. If we hit, we didn't pitch. And if we did both, then maybe the bullpen didn't do its job. Sounds like finger pointing, doesn't it? I think if Max Scherzer is going to speak to the media, instead of talking about how chummy he is with Justin Verlander and lying through his eyes, they're not chummy. Instead of telling you it's the greatest clubhouse ever, when I promise you it's not. There is no great clubhouse with a losing team. There can be a bad clubhouse with a winning team. More likely when you win, your clubhouse becomes good. Winning is what brings chemistry. I've always stated the opposite when I was president of a team because I wanted to make you believe in public. Hey, our guys love each other. They're hanging out. We're good. It's going to turn around. We're going to start winning any time now. I swear to God, these guys are pulling for each other. Don't you worry. I knew the truth. The truth is the clubhouse is full of clicks. You may have one or two people who are bilingual who can talk amongst the clicks and try to bridge the gaps. Very little hanging out. Matthew Stafford's wife had it right. Players in their locker room are players in the clubhouse. They're on their phone. They're in and out as quickly as possible. They're doing their own thing on social media now. 
It is not like the days where you'd hang around and get pissed at the end of every game. Actually, that was both true, double entendre. Drunk and angry when you lost. Just doesn't work that way anymore. Nobody's turning over the spread the way they used to. And what I would prefer Scherzer had said is, listen, I can't pinpoint exactly what happened. I can only tell you that bad seasons happen. I only wish that I were still a Met. I'm happy in Texas. I love Texas. I'm happy to be competing for a division championship and the chance to win a World Series. But it was my full expectation that we would have a chance to run it back in 24 and show that 23 was an outlier. And he came close to saying those things. But then he went too far. Are you shocked by that? If you're, a Mets fan, if you're a Mets fan, you certainly shouldn't be. All right, when we come back, we're gonna review the new Adam Sandler vehicle on Netflix. And then we're gonna talk about other game day employees and what's going on in San Diego. And I'd love to blame AJ Preller for this, but even I can't do that. We'll be right back. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. Through the first round of the NBA playoffs, it's still all about the Celtics and the Nuggets. Will it be a likely matchup between the two powerhouses for the NBA championship? You can bet on the Celtics to beat the Nuggets at plus 400 or the Nuggets to beat the Celtics at plus 425 right now. And if you're new to DraftKings, you gotta check this out. New customers bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers can bet five bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SAMSON. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson and Matthew Coca. Thank you for rating, reviewing, subscribing. Keep telling your friends about it. We had more new listeners last week than of any week in the last, what was it, a year? People are finding Nothing Personal. They're engaging with it on davidsampsonpodcast.com. I'm woefully behind in responding to emails like weeks behind, and I apologize for that. Too many. Thank you for all of the excitement and the merchandise that you are wearing and buying and sending me photos of. Keep sending me photos of you using your nothing personal merchandise. I love to see it, and so does Coca. So thank you. I watch a movie every day. I will go down by telling you any movie Adam Sandler makes, I'm gonna watch. I put him in the categories, Ben Stiller, I may not get to it right when it comes out, 
But if I know that there's movies I haven't seen, I want to see them, I will see them. Adam Sandler did a deal with Netflix. And I don't want to do anything that would stop the likelihood of doing business with Netflix. So let me just say this about Netflix. When you sign a production deal with them, they're looking for content because you're looking for content. And when you see Happy Madison Productions, you tend to click play, stream, watch. For some reason, you loved Murder Mystery 1 and 2. I didn't. For some reason, you loved Hubie Halloween. I didn't. I'm trying to understand what happened to Adam Sandler. I loved Uncut Gems, didn't love Hustle. Click, I could do a top five Sandler movie. Anger Management's gonna be in there. Click's gonna be in there. He has a new movie out as a love letter to his family. His wife's in it and his two daughters are in it. It's a family movie with a long ass title. You are so not invited to my bat mitzvah. You don't have to be Jewish to watch the movie. Though you'll learn a few prayers. I had memories of my Haftorah. Kitisa, February 21st, 1981. Baruch Atah. My voice cracked and broke. I was going through puberty when I shot, and I mean shot, from 4'11 to 5 feet. It was epic. Quite a growth spurt. Sprouted three hairs and grew an inch. Everyone else is growing six inches vertically. What you're supposed to believe about this movie is that it's about two best friends who lose their way and then find their way. It's about family. It's about love. It's about sisters. It's about competition. It's about becoming an adult. I found it to be absolutely absent any entertainment value. I didn't laugh one time. Adam Sandler, Adam, you don't even need a costume department anymore. You wear the same gym shorts as your character in real life. I'm assuming you just drove your kids and wife to the studio and filmed in whatever you wore that day to read the paper and maybe shoot hoops. I get mailing it in. Some of the best mail it in but I don't want you to. You're so good at what you do. Please, no more crap. You are so not invited to my reviews anymore. Not true. I love you, Adam. All right, I wanna tell you a story. An article came out in The Voice yesterday Shocked me, but I found it to be an opportunity to teach something. When you go to a ballpark, wait online at the concession stand, get to the front. Hey, first of all, do me a favor. When you get to the front of a concession line, we're, we're timing everything like amusement parks. We want to know how long people are in line. We have cameras. We put the menu on LED boards or in writing, big writing behind the concession stand, you have every opportunity to know what's in that concession stand and to know what you want. 
when you get to the front of the line for the love of God, can you please not start looking at the menu and deciding what to order just for me and for the people behind you in line? Can you have your credit card ready and your order? Just saying. When you get to the front of the line, some stadiums, there's an order taker and then there's a fulfiller. Sometimes the person who takes the order goes to get what you ordered, comes back, gives it to you, does payment, they do it all. Those are game day concession workers hired by your concessionaire. When you build a stadium, you partner with a concessionaire and you cut a very complicated deal that involves the concessionaire paying for the build out of the kitchens and the concession stands. So you don't have to finance it and have it part of the money you're putting into the ballpark. In return, the concessionaire gets a long-term deal and they get to operate the concession stands, both premium and regular. Sometimes you can buy for Cape, but normally you don't. And your cut going forward is smaller because you've taken money up front. It's like when you do a TV deal. It's like when you sign a contract. If you get a huge signing bonus, you are taking money away from later years in the contract because you're getting it up front. It's a very simple present value calculation. And the concessionaire meets with me and our head of ballpark development, Claude Delorme, and you cut a deal. And you take money up front knowing you're going to get less money on the back end. But guess what? You're involved with the build out of the concession stands. You're involved with the staffing of the concession stands. You're involved with the food in the concession stands. In San Diego, they would have you believe that they had no idea that there was a fraud being perpetuated in their concession stands. The people who work in the concession stands, some of them are paid hourly. Some concession stands are manned by actual charities and people who work for the charities, who volunteer for the charities. Some concession stands are for the benefit of a charity, but are operated by game day employees who don't have as much training as we wish they would have. But under all scenarios, when a concession stand is operated for the benefit of a charity, it has to be a charity. It came out yesterday that in San Diego, there's been concession stands run, millions of dollars collected by a charity that for 10 years hasn't been a charity. It took everyone by surprise, apparently. Delaware North, they're a fine institutional concessionaire. They were approached and they were asked, how can you have a stand run by a charity that's not a charity when you're supposed to check to make sure the charities are charities at least once a year? Huh, interesting. Delaware North would not answer questions. They only did a statement. We are actively looking into the recent information presented to us regarding the status of this concession stand and we'll determine our course of action after our review is complete. That's the second biggest piece of horse hockey that came out of this story. The biggest one 
is the Padres were asked to comment about how there could be a concession stand in Petco Park that was apparently for charity that wasn't a charity. They released a statement through their head of PR, a spokesman. The Padres do not have operational oversight of Delaware North's nonprofit program. Delaware North is solely responsible for the staffing of their concession stands at Petco Park. Horse hockey. Do not let the Padres, and this is not AJ Preller, this is their ballpark people, their operations people, do not let them tell you or any team tell you, hey, hands off. Guess who invented that? I did. When we were a pro player and the concessions were run by the Dolphins, we had no say over the food, we had no say over the prices, we had no say over the staffing, we could do nothing but complain to the Dolphins who told us to pound sand. Whenever there were no hot dogs, guess who got blamed? This guy right here. Guess who's in charge of it? Not I. However, when it's your own ballpark, Petco, Marlins Park, Great American Ballpark, any of the ballparks, guess what? You're damn right you have oversight. Can you imagine in Marlins Park if I said to you, yeah, I got no idea who the concessions are. We left it to Levy. We don't even know what food's being offered. I tasted the food every year before the season. We did a tasting with all of the offerings. Wouldn't eat the pork, but so the taste of uh, Cuba or Cuban sandwiches that were in left field, taste of Miami. We had four of us and we didn't eat prior and we spent four hours and we sampled all the concession food. We then were given a plan for every concession stand. We were aware and responsible for every single one of them. It is mind boggling to me that the Padres would have you believe that they have no idea. What kind of business is that? Why would you have a business where you're not in charge of who's interacting with your customers? Does that make any sense to you at all? And if confronted with an issue, are you so spineless that the owner, and when your team is in the crapper, you're gonna have to fire your GM, you have such problems, but you're so insecure that you can't even take ownership of this and say, I am mortified, I am embarrassed. The fact that this could happen under my watch is inexcusable. I'm gonna check the processes, I'm gonna evaluate, the flow of information, and I promise I'll make sure this doesn't happen again. That's what you say publicly. Oh, I got nothing to do with it. Doesn't that piss off customers? Hey, listen, there's air traffic. We're on an air hold. It's not up to me. Sorry. It's pretty frustrating, isn't it, when you fly? This is going on at your ballpark, not just San Diego. Charity programs funding by concessionaires, working with concessionaires, pretending you're not working with them when the food's cold. It's happening right where you watch games. 
But what came out at Petco, staggering. What's happening today, after this story came out, every president who's worth 10% of what they're getting paid is calling their head of ballpark operations today and getting a printout of every concession stand, who's working it, what the status is, because when one team gets caught with its pants around its ankles, you can bet your bippy that all the other teams don't want to be next. All right, Coca, what are we up to? Ooh, did you take the Padres over the Cardinals? I told you Blake Snell would be good. I didn't realize Wainwright would be that good, but the Padres won. We're on a bit of a heater. We're three games over 500 now. 119 and 116. I have a wait to see that says we'll finish above 500. I like my chances. We are 235 picks in, and we are 119 and 116. There are a lot of good series going on. We are moments away from September. When is September 1st? What day is today? Tuesday the 29th? Thursday the 3rd? Friday the 1st. The end of this week is the start of September. How did that happen? Do you ever look at the baseball season and just say, wasn't it just spring training? And the years, they just pass. And the seasons, they go round and round. We're all just part of the circle game. What's my pick? Where are we, Coca? Ah, say steel over Burns. Cubs over the Brewers. Uh, Steele and Burns, two great pitchers. We're going to get value in this, actually. Burns is and Steele are both in the top six favorites to win Cy Young in the National League. Brewers have been playing unbelievably, one of the hottest teams in baseball. But don't sleep on Steele. So that's going to be our pick of the day. All right. Let's catch you up on a wait to see something. We, we lost one last night. Remember I told you for wait to seize that I promise you that I'll always revisit them even when I get them wrong and you think I'll forget about it because everyone else where you listen and I hope that you do listen to other people but always listen to nothing personal. But they'll give you hot takes and they'll say things and they'll just be full of it and then when they're wrong, they don't care. They don't, how many times when you see people making picks do people go the next day, hey, in football they do, like the, uh, the NFL today, or they'll say they're 17, 19, and four. I like that. I like the accountability. I told you on August 15th that Luis Severino will not get another start for the New York Yankees. Well, lo and behold, I was right for 10 days, and then I was wrong. More, 12 days, 13 days. He started last night. That means my wait to see is an absolute loser. The biggest news coming out of Yankee land, and we have absolutely covered the Yankees in depth. You know where I stand on what needs to happen with that team. There's a bunch of pending wait to seize. They've got plenty of issues. News came out yesterday that Hal Steinbrenner will has never and may never overrule Brian Cashman and any baseball operations decision. And boy, did I smile. It's such poppycock. 
It really is. Are you to think that Hal Steinbrenner is the only owner in the history of team sports who never has said to his baseball employee or football or basketball, I want that guy. I don't want that guy. It's laughable. I want a coaching change. I want a managerial change. It's laughable. Of course he has. But what's coming out now out of New York, the reason it fascinates me is that they are preparing you for what's going to happen in the off season. And what they're telling you is the only way Aaron Boone loses his job is if Hal Steinbrenner overrules Brian Cashman because Brian Cashman wants Aaron Boone back. If I'm Hal Steinbrenner, I am so pissed off that this made it into the media because it is my front office who is signed to a long-term deal, who interestingly enough is trying to make it my fault that a change has to be made when Brian Cashman should be the one saying, hey, Hal, last place, inexcusable. We got to make a change. We love Booney, but let's get a new voice in. You think that's what happened with the hitting coach? You think that Brian Cashman just said, hey, this is the year I'm going to replace a coach for the first time ever midseason? Or did Hal Steinbrenner go downstairs and say, you know, we better do something because we suck. The Yankees need to get their message points straight. That is for sure. We talked about danger to start the show. Two days in a row having to think about danger for players or danger for fans. The police in Chicago are still investigating the shooting that took place. They announced yesterday that the shots likely came from inside the ballpark. Mortifying how a gun got through. The fact that they continued the game. The fact that more fans didn't disappear, run away when they heard shots. I don't know how to change fan behavior. I do know putting up a sign, text 469 for bad behavior. That's in every ballpark. We do that so we can say we're doing stuff so you can feel safe to bring your kids. It's not about alcohol. You can sell alcohol before the game, after the game, during the game. We're all trying to sell alcohol. It's the highest profit item we sell. We can't pitch wins and losses. We don't control it. Whether our payroll is high like the Mets and Padres or low like the A's and Royals, you can't control wins and losses. You know what really stinks? We don't control any of what you do. The best way for our players to be safe and the best way for you to be safe is for you to be responsible for yourself and to hope above all hope that everyone will agree that certain behaviors, certain actions that put fans or players in danger, they're simply not necessary. Maybe it'll start tonight. I know one thing, we'll be back tomorrow. It's just business. This is nothing personal.